Hey there, listeners. Thanks for checking out the show. Before we begin, I wanted to say thank you, especially to our Patreon producers. So thank you, Coach Hulk, Callow, Devin, Kevin, Chris, Kyle, Professor Switch, Bonesaw, Borboni, Barry Cathcart, and Paul Calicote. Without you guys, uh, none of this really gets going, especially with separated feeds and all the extras that we're doing. We really appreciate all the support. We couldn't do it without you. And if you are interested in knowing more about becoming a Patreon producer or supporting the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash PSVG for more information. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey Google, play some music. So never, I don't have a good like standard way to open the show. Like I don't have a an intro. You should just practice between now and the next show to now make your voice. Show. Just to make your voice sound exactly like uh, the Google voice. (laughs) (laughs) So you can do it like that every time. Mm. And with that, let's just roll into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Google Stadia show. A proud member of the PSVG podcast network. I am one of your co-hosts, Donnie Reese, a.k.a. Play Nintendo. And joining me on episode two of the Google Stadia show is my other companion, Jared Goche. Hello. Happy to be back. I'm Jared. If you didn't listen to the first episode, aka highly intelligent. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Gonna be another cool show talking about Google and geeky things. Highly intelligent. Now, you weren't able to get your PlayStation name changed. Um, I got it changed to highly intel. I wasn't not able to get the the agent part. I actually, because somebody already took it, and I looked up the person. I actually like looked them up on PSN to see, and the last thing they played was like Witcher Three a long time ago. Do like, you think we're going to have Stadia gamer tags or just your email? Probably. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe your like email. Emails. And It'll- the more important question: Do you think they'll let you change it? Or they just I mean, it- pull a straight Sony. You can't change. it. It'll definitely be tied to your uh, email, but it's right. possible they might let you do like a a username, kind of how um, Nintendo Online works. You've yeah. got your Nintendo ID, but then you can kind of change your nickname to whatever. You call you yourself want. whatever you want to call yourself. That's how a good, you know, account system management system is done. That's how it's yeah. done. And that in that right, Devin, we're taking a shot of Sony already. Like Not already, probably you, you out here for you <laughs> had to come to the show. You just had to take shots at the king. I right? just, I'm staring at your face <laughs> in this webcam, and it's the only thing that I can keep thinking of is Sony's. Hey, hey, look, I'm not on PSVG this week, so I'll, I'll just keep it brief. I changed my name, and it was a smooth, frictionless transition. So, claps, golf yeah, claps, whatever. golf claps. Right? I, I don't even acknowledge that name. It's not even real. You're born a Buckeye. <laughs> you will always be born a Buckeye. Sorry, just playing that brand guy, yeah. dead and gone now. Period. <laughs> been wiped nah, from existence nah. it lives it lives on in, in infamy especially in like the mtg forms yeah mm. mm-hmm. those aren't <laughs> dead yet <laughs> i don't know if they've really lived devin welcome <laughs> to the google stadia show thank you thank you thank you i'm happy to be here you know loving me some google can't wait to talk a little bit more about it love the first show and uh, glad you guys had me on 
So on the first show, we talked about the unveiling, all the big announcements and everything. And we kind of talked about like some pros and cons, what we thought um, they might be facing here uh, as they lead up to launch this fall. What were your first impressions from the from the unveiling? My first impressions were if they can make this work, I am head over heels in love with it. I just love the idea of being able to have, you know, all my frames, all my P's, all my K's, and not have to worry about upgrades and if my console can handle it. And I love the idea of developers not having to be hamstrung by having to fit in a box. If they can just do whatever they want and have their, their actual vision come to life and not be restrained by hardware, I think that is an amazing thing. My fears and worries, of course, as you and I have been down this road many, many times, is just internet infrastructure in the U.S. So I just worry about lag, about latency, about whether or not, you know, the U.S. is actually, you know, outfitted to handle that type of pipeline, um, especially in some of the more, you know, harder to reach areas, some areas that haven't been fitted with fiber and things of that nature, whether or not they can actually handle the load. That's those are my biggest worries. But, you know, if anybody can do it, I think Google can. So in Google, I trust. And, you know, even though I just, you know, put together a really nice PC, I may not have to use it. So <laughs> use it to stream. So there was a powerful <laughs> graphics card. He's like, where's my Google Stadia controller? Right. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome. We're happy to have you. Always happy to pod with Dev. And uh, it's a good show for you to be on because this is episode two, the Google Stadia show titled Show Me the Money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. We're going to talk about what this is going to cost, how they're going to price it, what is it going to cost us? What is it going to cost developers, publishers, all of that? We're going to break down some different theories, some different price models that we think they could do, talk about which ones we'd prefer and which ones we'd be scared of. I've put down four, I think, traditional price models that I think we could see here for th with Google Stadia coming from Google. We still have no idea when they're going to unveil this. I'm hoping I'm keeping my fingers crossed, the hopes alive that they show up at E3. I would love for them to swerve right in, go up on stage. That'd be great. Um, but we'll know soon. We will know soon. I believe in a recent interview, they actually said that they'll be they'll be talking pricing in June. So it actually gave us a time frame, but I'm very excited. So let's just go and get into this because there's been a lot of speculation ever since the unveiling at GDC. It's kind of, I mean, it's the one thing everybody wanted then, right then and there. And it's everything that everybody's been talking about with regards to this product, this service since then, is how much is it going to cost? Because at the end of the day, everything's about the money that you have to part with to use it. I mean, that's it. You can have the best games and all the stuff, but if it costs too much, um, people aren't going to, to jump on. So the first option that we can discuss is probably the most boring, um, <laughs> but it also has significant benefits. And that's the traditional store-based model. I think this makes a lot of sense, especially for content providers and publishers and developers. You put out a game, GTA 5, for $60. Google takes a publisher or takes a licensing fee for providing the service, and the developer gets the rest of the money. That's how PlayStation, that's how Xbox and Nintendo and Best Buy and GameStop and everybody else, that's how they do it. The only difference here is that you would be paying $60 in theory 
I don't know if that's the final price, but in theory, you'd be paying full retail for a game that you don't physically own, that you actually don't even digitally own. You'd be paying access for a game that sits on a server somewhere else. What do you think of a traditional store-based model, Jared? For this one, I think that they're... There are definitely pros, especially on the developer side. Um, they'll probably get a better profit. Um, I do think in terms of, of owning it, you definitely don't own it. It's And for me personally, it would be harder to swallow to pay 60 bucks for a game that's just on a, a streaming service. Um, mostly because you can't download it. You can't really have it anywhere. So I, I personally would rather just like pay some sort of subscription model. Um, but I, I definitely think for a lot of these people who like purchasing games and quote-unquote owning them, this would probably be the best option um, for them. And, and I, think, I think by having um, this a la carte option and being able to purchase a game, there would be less chance of them removing it from the service versus like a Netflix model where, you know, they can just remove things and add things whenever they want. I think this would be a lot more um, incentive for them to add, to add something that you buy and you keep it. Um, And I I really think that they could offer this at um, a discount too, because there would be zero brick and mortar stores to go through. It would just be the developers and then Google selling the product. There would be no, no reason to try to match pricing you could literally just undercut Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and Nintendo, the eShop. You could undercut all of it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because we're seeing 2019 will be the end of the Gamers Club Unlocked, be the end of Prime is already gone, the Prime savings. Do you think it's possible that maybe Google just brings that, just that discount with their service? Yeah, you're going to pay full retail for games, but you know, let's say you're... Uh, YouTube premium subscriber, or you bang into some sort of subscription PlayStation Plus like thing on Google Stadia, maybe you save 20% off all all purchases, period, across the board. Mm-hmm. Is that is that an avenue that you think they could do? Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, if you have YouTube premium, you they could offer a discount. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if just all games were $10 cheaper. Just price is- lower. I mean, I that think, would make sense because you don't own it and you can't digitally own it and you can't archive it and you can't keep it. So at some point yeah. there has to be a trade-off somewhere. Somebody's got to give a little bit of the money aside. And it would definitely be an advantage because the developers, they make this game, they give it to Google, Google sells it to us, we buy the product and Google could undercut the, they could undercut the percentage that they take versus mm-hmm. the other guys. And the developer could still make the same profit. And now there's potential to sell even more copies because now people are saying, well, why should I pay $60 on Xbox or PlayStation when I could pay $50 or $45 or or whatever the discount might be on Google Stadia? And I can play it anywhere I have an internet connection on any device. So, Devin, that brings up a really good question. How much cheaper would I have to get for you to legitimately think of buying Star Wars the new Star Wars Fallen <laughs> Jedi game on Google Stadia versus PlayStation or Xbox? Uh, not a whole lot less, to be perfectly honest. I mean, 
And who's to say that, that, that we're not going to be able to actually download the games? We know that this, that this is a streaming service, but have they said? Yeah, they have. Them? They've come out they there, in recent no interviews. They said it's never going to happen. It's not okay. built into it. They have no, it's not on the plans. It's a service-based mm-hmm. model. There'll be no downloads. Well, yeah, that'd be a lot of red tape to, or like a lot of cautions to tell people like, hey, you can download this, but unless you have this hardware, you're probably not going to be able to play it. So yeah. I, I think they're going to keep it only streaming. So then what it would that would boil down for me is it's basically like, okay, can my system run it at the fidelity that I want it to? And if mm-hmm. it can't, well, hey, I can go ahead and pay maybe a little bit less for the Google Stadia version. And then I don't have to worry about the limitations of my system. I just have to have good internet, which I do have. And I finally fixed the internet in my room. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so I get about 300 down. <laughs> but... um. I mean, it, it wouldn't have to be that much of a discount, to be perfectly honest. Like, I, I figure they'll probably do, like, you know, typical Steam sales or, like, 40 bucks for a game when it comes out. So if it's anywhere close to that price model and I don't have to worry about can my system run it, mm-hmm. then it's, it's pretty much a no-brainer for me because I want performance. For me, it's not necessarily about having, you know, it running 4K if it runs it. 30 frames per second. If I can get the 1080p 60 frames, I want that. I want the performance. I want the best way for it to play. And if I can get that on Google Stadia at close to the cost or less than the cost that it would cost me to actually buy it from PSN or Xbox Live or Origin, I'm going to go with that model. I mean, if it works, that's where I'm going. I still think with the with the streaming optics as they are currently. I mean, you'll have to win. I mean, all of this pricing, assuming is that the, the business actually works, right? Right. We're all right. assuming that it works. Um, but even with the optics of not owning it, I think it'd be hard pressed for a lot of gamers to buy games on Google Stadia if it was $40 per game. They could save a, a complete $20 per purchase. I still think they'd find a hard way of making that switch over. There's something about that disconnect, you know? See, that's, that's what I talked about in the first episode. <laughs> I'm just not worried about ownership. I, I don't, it just, I'm, I'm so far past it at this point because I buy so many things digitally. As long as I can play it and it works, I don't really care. I don't need a physical disc. I don't need a box. I don't need anything. Literally, like all I have are icons and I click the icon and it goes. That, that's sure. all I care about. I don't need to say, oh, I own this because eventually I'm never going to play it again. So I'm not worried about ownership of, the physical media. If it's something that I really, really, really like, I'm going to buy memorabilia for that game. Like Destiny. I have the Destiny Clutch Edition when it comes with a bunch of Destiny stuff. I have Destiny figurines. So when it comes to the things that I like, just the way I operate, I buy things of that brand for my for for my brand loyalty. Like I love Destiny. I like so I have a bunch of Destiny pops. I love Nintendo. So I have a bunch of Destiny uh, Nintendo stuff. I have a bunch of just Zelda things. So for me, like owning the physical game, I'm not so worried about that. I, I like to, you know, show my fandom in other ways by buying trinkets and things of that nature. So physically owning the game for me is is it just it's just not a thing I'm worried about at all. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. And we also I don't really share a Hoodoo library. I don't really care about owning anything really either. Um, I like to buy memorabilia as well. And even with this, even if even if this is something that Google would remove in the future in terms of like individual games, they're definitely going to get like some sort of contract to say, Hey, we get to keep this for however, you know, many years. Um, 
but that that goes more into like the game pass model but as as far as a la carte i mean i pay 50 60 bucks and i put in 50 100 hours and in three years if i can't play it anymore i mean i probably haven't played it in two years anyways so what does it really matter i'm probably never ever gonna boot up that game again and, and play it I can't subscribe to that. I replay a lot of stuff. So <laughs> uh, I do think one of the benefits before we move on from this, one of the benefits of the traditional store-based model is the fact that you continually start to build a library. And yeah. over time, that library becomes valuable to you. Um, I share digital movie library with Devin. And mm-hmm. when I buy movies and stuff, I send him my digital codes and he buys movies, puts them in there. And there is something very convenient and valuable to having a library of stuff that you like at your fingertips across all devices at any, any moment. You know, maybe I don't mm-hmm. always sign into the app to watch the movie. Maybe I have the Blu-ray or something, but if I'm on my phone or if I'm traveling from a new place, being able to just access it instantly has a value, especially if you build it up over time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really start to build it up and if they do a traditional store-based model, that could be a way of getting people in because sure people may not pay $60 for every game out of the, out of the gate, but Maybe Google gives away a game a month and all of a sudden you have 10 or 12 of them in, you know, because you've been stashing them away. And all of a sudden you start, you know, I'm going to buy this one over there. And then all of a sudden your library is 20, 30 games and you start buying and start building more games. You know, you start getting hooked into it. So I like building digital libraries. I really do. I, there's something about having all of my icons and all of my stuff and all of my <laughs> consoles and stuff. It's nice. It's nice to like click a thing and look all the stuff I can play you know, whenever I want. So there's something there too with the traditional store-based model. I I definitely understand that. And I mean, I wouldn't, I would prefer to just be able to have access to it because mm-hmm. I paid for it for as long as I want. Right. And that's why I said earlier that if, if it is a pay per game and you're actually purchasing the license to be able to play the game, um, that that would be a lot more incentive for Google to keep it in their servers for as long as possible. Sure. Rather than Google play at that point. Yeah. 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 If I buy on, if I buy a movie on Google play or iTunes or Amazon, I expect that to be there forever because I bought it. That's what everybody does. (laughs) You know, it's not like I'm getting a 50% discount. I'm paying the same price as if I did, if I walked into Best Buy and, and bought the Blu-ray, I'm paying the same price. So I expect to have that product for as long as I would have a disc. Okay, and then before we move on to the next uh, model we want to talk about, I just want to mention one more time that in this model, it makes sense for the content provider. Remember, Google doesn't make games yet, or at least console games, games that we're trying to think about. Um, They're going to, we hope, or at least they've got plans on doing something. But, you know, they don't have 20 studios or cranking exclusives that they can sell this service off of, right? Mm -hmm. So a traditional store-based model gives a lot of incentive to everybody that makes and sells games, because this is just another avenue you can get your game out there. You know, whereas some other models maybe don't, you know, provide that opportunity to the publisher. So the next one, one that's near and dear to my heart, the Game Pass <laughs> model. So this would be kind of like your Netflix for games, except it would be a uh, a subsegment of the library. So, for instance, maybe it is a traditional store base, right? Every game is on there. But then there's a Google Pass that lets you have access to 50 games, right? That you subscribe to and they rotate in and out, right? It's Game Pass, it's exactly what Xbox does. And this model makes sense for 
the publisher because they'll basically get paid up front for being included into the library. So Google will pay them to be in here so they can sell the subscription. And then the, and then the, the, the business model is you, now you have to build up subscribers. Now you have to generate subs subscribers that are going to give you, you know, monthly year to year money. I love game pass. The problem with game pass, as I see it right now with Google is that I didn't love game pass until Xbox, Microsoft put their first party games in the lineup. I don't know how you do a third party game pass model that makes sense for third parties. I think it would have to be really small um, in terms of, I don't think they could do a hundred games. I think they'd have to do like 12 or 15, 20, maybe really good games, but then they'd have to break that up and split that up amongst developers. And maybe you find a publisher like Ubisoft that can provide a lot of it and you can just kind of partner with them. So, so like you get like a Ubisoft EA access type of deal. Um, so maybe then it makes sense, but even EA access personally, I don't find a whole lot of value in year over year. I've let that subscription lapse two or three times now, because even for all the games that they've got in there, they're just not stuff I'm interested in playing. And therein lies the problem with the game pass. If you don't have a new game that goes into the subscription, why are you paying for the subscription? So, um, Devin, what, what do you think about a Google game pass like option? Mm -hmm. This is probably one of my least interesting models, to be perfectly honest, because like you said, they don't have a bunch of first party games to dump into it. Like, I don't have Game Pass for Xbox because one, they don't have any games I really want to play. Two, I don't have the time to play all the games that are in Game Pass. So for me to have to shell out money every month for a bunch of games I'm not going to play, just it just doesn't entice me. The only Game Pass model that I would actually be interested in, if, if it is like a Ubisoft model, if we get a bunch of Ubisoft games, then I'd be swayed just because I really like the games that publisher puts out. But other than that, just the Game Pass model just doesn't do much for me just because one time and two, what games are you going to put in there? So it would really have to be one of those wait and see what what is actually in this model. What's the price? Um, and am I going to have time to really play any of these games or these games I want to play? That's ultimately what it boils down for me when it comes to Game Pass is there are going to be games on it that I actually want to play. Like, I think what, what Xbox is doing with their Game Pass is great. If you're in that ecosystem, there's a lot of games like for you, Danny. I know you'd like to replay a lot of stuff. Yeah. I typically don't replay games. There are only two games that I actually ever replay, and that's Super Metroid and Link to the Past. Other than that, I don't replay games. So the game pass and having access to all of these games that I may play once, but probably won't. is just not very enticing to me at this point. And game pass made no sense until they started putting, until they made the commitment to put their own exclusives in their day one. I mean, we had game pass for a year and I just wasn't interested. I was like, why am I going to pay all this money to have access to, you know, 30 indie games? Like it didn't make any sense, but now it does because now you're getting at least, you know, you're getting at least three to four games day one that you would, probably buy any other you know if you mm -hmm. own an xbox you're probably going to buy any other way and now you get stuff on top of it so that really without google having that i think this is a a tough road for them what do you think jared yeah. um i really like game pass um it, it's nice being able to because i i really do like indie games and, and smaller games like that so it's nice being able to play a bunch of them and only have to pay 10 bucks for that month and when I don't want to use it I can just cancel it and then 
pay another 10 bucks and a few more in a, f- a few months later and play the games. Um, but as far as Google is concerned, I, this seems like the least likely one that's going to happen and the least beneficial for everybody. Um, unless they do get a publisher or a developer on board to put a lot of their games. Now I, I was saving this for later, but I'm going to tell you this now, the Ubisoft thing I think is real because they were talking about, they were talking to Eves about supporting Stadia and everything. And, and I'm going to talk about what he said here in a little bit, but I, I just wanted to point out that in the interview, and you can look it up, you just look up Eves Gimo Stadia, you'll find it. He says we a lot. It's very interesting when he's talking about Google Stadia pricing and delivering it. He says we. He doesn't say Google. He doesn't say them. He doesn't say our partners. He says we as if they're like all in on this. So mm-hmm. I expect them to be there in a big way. If we see Google at E3, I'm expecting to see them at Ubisoft's conference. I'm expecting them to say everything you've seen today is on Google Stadia day one. Like I'm expecting some something like that. Ubisoft really seems to be bought into this. So. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm overreading, but I was one thing I noticed in his interview. He said we like 15 times. Like basically every time he referred to Google Stadia, it's like he was a, you know, a venture capitalist or shareholder. It's just like <laughs> we, 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 we we're going to be launching this program. It's like wait a minute, do you work for them or do you work for Ubisoft? <laughs> I, I think the potential with Ubisoft is definitely there, but to be fair, Ubisoft is usually kind of gung ho on any sort of console. They were there with on live, right? They were there with uh, Wii U, yeah, and you know, look well, at how far they went with that. Um, so it could be them just kind of all in, like, "Hey, we're going to be there," but then Google Stadia doesn't make them enough profit, and now, yeah, I mean, it could go either way with Ubisoft. I love Ubisoft, but they're usually gung ho until it doesn't work out, and then <laughs> and then they back off. That's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really fair. Um, ultimately the game pass model is really hard for publishers. You have to have enough subscribers that makes it worth somebody basically giving you their game for a lump Mm -hmm. sum of money. And when you are in a gaming market, that's making, you know, billions year over year and they're making, you know, $60 per purchase or $30 per purchase. That's, that's difficult at times. Um, next would be the Netflix option. The all you can eat stream as much as you want just give us your money and we will do this um i think this is what a lot of people are anticipating and i think this is what a lot of people want it's interesting to mention that playstation now and shadow both do this right now so playstation runs what did i put it in here it's uh 240 a year if you buy it full retail but they have like i believe it's 110 120 for a year pass like an annual sub and even then that's discounted down from there a lot of times right deb Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So this is what everybody's looking for. And this is like the ultimate convenience, right? You give Google your money and then you just get access to whatever's there and you can play it as much as you want, wherever you want. You're not nickel and dime. You're not hassled. This makes sense for all the social media, YouTube stuff, right? You want to click and play with somebody. You just click the button because you're already a subscriber. Um, this one's a little bit harder to make a real good business case for the publisher for the content provider, because how is everybody getting paid? Do you start playing favorites? You know, so like, let's say they get Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and then a thousand other indie games. Well, if Fortnite, Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty make up 90% of the playtime, they get all the money. All of a sudden, 
all of those other publishers, they take their games somewhere else because they're not making any money like this. This becomes kind of a problem, I think, for um, the, de the developers and publisher side. I think there's a case to be made here that you think about what Spotify has done to music, you think about Netflix has kind of done to television. There's mm -hmm. also a business case model here that it devalues the industry and the product. And you pay, let's just call it, I don't know, $150 a year to Google and you have access to everything you want. You know, how are the publishers getting paid? Are they getting paid as much as they used to? Like, is it based on playtime? Is it just some deals? You know, and, and specifically with the Game Pass model and this Netflix model, one thing that should definitely be mentioned is that Google has the money to float this. Um, so if they really want to make a dent, they could make an amazing Game Pass model. They just could not make any money off of it. They could make an amazing Netflix model. They'd probably just eat a loss for a while. Um, they could, and they have the money to do it too. That's the other thing. They have the money to take, you know, I don't get crazy, but they could easily absorb $100 million losses on this if they wanted to for a few years to really get a strong, you know, foothold. They could do that. That's That's possible. If you're not, you know... I think a lot of times when we're talking about success for Stadia, it doesn't need to succeed the first weekend. You know, if they can build up 50 million subscribers in two years, even if they're taking a loss, that could be considered a success for long-term growth. So like that's, that's how some of these companies, you know, especially these mega corporations, that's how they see business. So um, what do you guys think of the all you can eat Netflix, come get the grand buffet of games approach for me? If the library is big enough and there's enough games that I want to play, I could easily see myself subscribing to something like this mm -hmm. um, and just not really playing anything on Xbox or PlayStation <laughs> unless it was uh, like an exclusive. Um, but just playing everything on Google Stadia, any any third party, and being able to just, oh, this game looks interesting. I'm going to check it out. Um, for me, that that is a lot because I I generally won't buy a game unless I'm able to try it first, unless I know the publisher or I trust the reviewer or whatever it is. So for this, honestly, I would probably play more games because I wouldn't have to purchase a game up front. I could just try it, and if I don't like it, move on to the next one. But definitely for developers, I could see it being a problem as well as for for game design um, it would just it would just be really hard to promote games and not be unfair yeah um, because if you promote a game and a million people play this game for a hundred hours each that developer makes a lot of money but all the other games that people aren't playing it doesn't make money yeah this is a tough one I mean I like Jared, I, I definitely would see myself subscribing to something like this if the price is right and the library is there, um, because then I can just play, you know, whatever I want, whenever I want. And on top of that, if I have other friends that have this service, it makes it a lot easier to play a multiplayer game, to play something where it's a co-op game where we can all just jump in. We don't have to worry about, oh, did you pick it up? Did you buy it? Are you going to get it? Um, can we play this together? Do you have Xbox? Do you have who, what system are you on? Like something like this really works because then you don't have to worry about crossplay. Everybody can just jump on and play and not be having to worry about you know 
can you run it? Do you have this system or whatnot? And like you said, it's, it's hard for you know the publishers and developers to make money this way because it's like, yeah, how 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 are they getting paid? But if Google's playing the long game, you know, and they want to go and you know just eat the cost for a while, like a Netflix does, and you know put all of their you know Stadia originals to the front, but still have this wealth of content and just play the long game. This this might be the way to go. It it just really all is going to depend on the price and whether or not you know developers and are, are willing to go here and be like, yeah, we'll put the, we'll put our game on there. You you give us this money and uh, we'll put it there. And okay, let's go. So it, it's it's very interesting. I I this would be my 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 second favorite model after just a traditional because I really just want to play what I want to play. I'm not so worried about having to try a game before I get it. I kind of can look at a game and and just know I want to play this or not. So. That's not so much my my takeaway, but if if we just have a good library of games at a at a decent price, then I can just play whenever, wherever I'm with it. All right. So the thing that I think this could this could do well, it could serve, it could benefit some customers, although I don't think it would appeal to gamers as a whole. Gamers as we know. What if new games weren't available on the all you can eat pass like the brand newest game you had to pay retail you had to buy the game if you wanted to play it on stadia but let's say every game that's six months or older is automatically included into the pass so if you think about that the publisher has already had the opportunity to sell the game right after six months the majority of them are deeply discounted if they're selling anything at all, right? Plus, they're already selling to these other people. The day one adopters, you're able to still get your money, you know, your $60 from those customers, provided, let's say it's $60. And then you have this ongoing library where you can play a game whenever you want. Now, I know YouTube just said you don't replay games a whole lot. Um, Being somebody that does, I think there is something there for a casual consumer. Somebody that's not into, you know, let's say somebody that doesn't buy more than five games a year. There could be something there for somebody that's like, hey, just give us a hundred bucks a year. Here's thousands of games you can play. Just pick one, play whatever you want, whenever you want. And no, it doesn't have all the latest releases. No, you know, like, but for like, I'm thinking of like a parent, right? Let's say you're a parent who doesn't, you know, play games and or doesn't want to pay $60 every month. For your children to have the latest and greatest game you just buy the subscription and eventually they will get access to all the games and that's it it's convenient you're done right then and there i think there's a kind of a middle ground there and to take it a step further if they did this subscription model they could kind of have their cake and eat it too because this they could have after six months every game is included in the service that's awesome you could just wait to play it or if you wanted to play this game right now, then you got a discount on the price for being a subscriber. Let's say it's a hefty discount. Mm-hmm. You got it for $39.99. Every brand new game you buy, you get for $39.99, or you can wait six months and just stream it. You know, just, just have access to it in the library indefinitely. That presents a scenario where the publisher can still get that day one, you know, customer buy rate and possibly get long-term gains because the subscription fee could be could be based on playtime you know so you have your retail and then you've got your playtime it could be kind of a 
a best of both worlds approach. What do you guys think about something like that? I, th- I think that would be awesome. Honestly, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, being able to stagger the releases of six months and you have the subscription so you know it's going to go there. So, yeah, you get your day one diehards. They're like, yeah, I got to play this day one. So they're going to go ahead and spend the money. But, hey, if I have the subscription, I get a nice discount on that. And then I still have this ridiculously large library of games I can play. I think that would be a very, very enticing model to actually put out there for consumers. Because, yeah, you're going to get your day ones. We're going to get the $60 game. You're going to get all the people who just want to have a, a library to be able to go play wherever. I think that is a that could be a huge win. I think they're... It sounds really appealing, but I think about just how people are now. There's a lot of people who see a game that comes out and they don't want to spend $60 for it. So they just wait a few months and pick it up when it's on discount for $15, Mm $20. I think this just sort of promotes that. A lot of people are just going to be like, well, why should I buy it day one if I can just wait six months and just play it via my subscription? Um. Well, I know. So I, I see that point, and I, I think that's fair. I know that I would still buy things day one if I really wanted to play it. Like, I've, I've already bought Rage. Yeah, be part of I want to play it. I'm going to play Rage the day it comes out because I want to play Rage too. It looks awesome. I wouldn't wait to play Rage. No, even if I could get it for free or, you know, free via subscription, I still wouldn't wait. I want to play it right away. You know, but and and I think... A difference between this and say like a PlayStation Now is that you would have to have like a firm timeline. You would have to say like we will have every game on Stadia will be included in the subscription after 120 days or 180 days. Like that's I just I just think that would be really hard to nail down with the developers because what if you've got a game like Rockstar puts out GTA 6 and that sells you know it's what it's at like 100 million units now or sure. whatever. And it keeps selling 3 million units every month. They're not going to want to put it on the streaming if it just keeps selling and selling and selling. That's possible. But at the same time, if the game is that hot and it's generating that much buzz, they would then earn revenue off of that game, you know, on based on playtime indefinitely for years. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to think of it, not necessarily from GTA. I was actually trying to think of it. That whole idea was really kind of coming from like the image inform angle. Like what's the angle for like Steam World Dig 2 to be on Google Stadia. Like how can they get there? Mm-hmm. There would be a sense there of I can sell the game for $20 and then in 4 months my game will be made available to millions of subscribers. And if they all play my game for an hour, I make, you know, 50 grand or whatever, whatever that cost. Um, I was thinking something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I have this conversation with one of my one of my coworkers like for example, Metro he was like, I'm going to buy Metro yeah. first day. Like, he wanted to play it day one. I'm like, you realize that game's going to be on sale for like 30 bucks in a month. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. like, now you can wait a month and just get it for 30 bucks. Right, right, man. 20 and 30 days later. <laughs> literally, like three weeks later, it was on sale. I was like, guess what's on sale? I was like, you could have waited. You haven't even finished the game yet. Like, you, you really could have waited to play. So I definitely see that side of it. But if you have the subscription and you're already going to get the discount to what it's going to go to in six months, it, it kind of, you know, you really want to play this game right now. You can, and you still get that discount, but you still have the library. So I think that can be one of those enticing things where they don't have to wait because I'm still going to be able to get it at a lower cost than, you know, what I would have had to pay for it. And then on top of that, like, it, what if it's a, 
a unit sold or a, a time period. So like, yeah, yeah with Rockstar, if it sells through a certain amount before the, you know, it, then they're still going to be able to have to wait that time. Okay, yeah, you've sold 100 million units. Cool, now you're on the service. Or it's been six months and you haven't sold that. Boom, now you're on the service. So it can be an either or type of situation. That way they can still, you know, move those units and benefit both ways. Mm-hmm. I just I just wonder if there would be any sort of benefit to buying something day one if it's just going to be on the service several months later. Um, do you get some sort of advantage or discount because if it's just going to roll into the service you're already paying for other than being part of that day one conversation i don't i don't really see the benefit of it and maybe it was wishful thinking on me i was thinking of like that day one discount would be the benefit you know you would save money so instead of paying 60 dollars for it somewhere else you would get it for 40 and then it would be including your streaming thing so you're almost like subsidizing it down the line yourself mm-hmm. um but i was also thinking I mean, that approach really came from there are people that already do that. I mean, that's the majority of gaming consumers. The majority of gaming consumers aren't buying, you know, 15 day one video games like we do. Yeah. The majority yeah. of gamers are like, I'm going to wait because it's <laughs> going to go on sale and wait till Black. We have gamers, millions of gamers just wait till Black Friday and buy all their games for a year. So if you yeah. already have people that aren't going to buy day one, then at least including it in a subscription and, and I'd say guaranteeing yourself some sort of you know, revenue down the line makes sense for the publisher. Yeah. Let's say after six months, they're not going to be selling that game anyway. Like they could literally not even have it in Google Stadia day one. And it still would make sense to include it six months after launch um, mm-hmm. for the publisher, because six months after launch, unless you're GTA five, you're not selling anything anyway. Like, I mean, I doubt, you know, copies of Far Cry New Eden are down into the mm-hmm. tens of thousands now, if not just thousands you know, and, now, right now. So for this kind of model, let's say, let's say every single game that came to Stadia was in this all you can eat subscription. How would that work for like DLC and things like that? That's what I would, that was, I would, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah. I think it would have to be included. And I think that could be a benefit. That could be a big benefit to getting people over on the Stadia side. That could be something that like Google, you know, makes a play for. You know, like, hey, yeah, like maybe you can buy the game or maybe you can get it over there. But if you play it on Stadia, the full game is included. You know, that could be a big thing. Like all DLC, everything is just in the ongoing service. Just keep playing. Like your yeah. DLC is your playtime. Just keep playing the game. I, I feel like Google and or I mean, this honestly, this sounds great. And it's something that I would absolutely subscribe to. But just to take a devil's advocate approach to it, Google would really have to um play to the developer's side sure and really incentivize them because you hear complaints even just from like apple music and google play and spotify that a lot of a lot of um artists that put their stuff on there don't really make a whole lot of revenue unless unless it's absolutely huge and is played all the time by millions of people um so it would be really hard to get developers to, it's like, okay, you want to put your game on Stadia? Well, you have to put it in this subscription model after so many months. Like you can't, there's no way around it. And I think that would be really hard and it might limit the library just because people, developers wouldn't want to do that. I'm 100% with you. No, I'm 100% with you. I would agree that if they did this, I think I would subscribe. If it worked well and I tried it out and the, and the product delivered, I would definitely subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. But it'd be very difficult 
you know, this is kind of like the epic steam thing that we're currently seeing. Like Google would have to really come and say, Hey, we're going to, you know, take a, a nice slice, a thin slice off of your revenue to, you know, to help you make sure that this happens. But if they believe in their product and they believe in this future, you know, that's the type of drastic moves that I think would have to help it get embedded into, mm. you know, just kind of the social norm. The other thing that I was going to say about this, and I, I'm, this would probably be the least favorite thing that I think gamers would want to hear. Hardcore gaming enthusiasts, if you will. They could have an all-you-could-eat model that has no new games and no, like, store-based model. So let's just say the day one game, right? GTA 6, it's not in Google Stadia. But let's say every game from last year is in the subscription service. And let's say the subscription service is really cheap. Now, that wouldn't interest me at all. So I'm not here saying that that would interest me. But I still think that that has some value to some people out there. Yeah, maybe you don't have the latest thing. If you want that, like you've got consoles and all these other things to do. But just having an instant access to thousands of games that you can play whenever you want for a really cheap price, let's say it was 50 bucks a year. I'm just throwing out a number. Say it was really cheap, but it was all games from last year. You know, so... The Fallen Order, not in this one, right? Like, it's all just stuff from last year. But for people that, you know, don't pay attention, don't follow all the... the like, there are, that's the majority of GameStop's clientele. That's the majority of people that buy games. For people out there like that, I still think there's there's merit there. I only bring it up for comparison's sake. There is something there. Now, I think we would all... I think we, collectively, would lose a lot of enthusiasm if that was the case. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, that, that sounds awful. It does. <laughs> It sounds terrible, but then I think about like a lot of my coworkers See? who don't game, people who just game on their phones. Think about that. I have access to all of last year's games, and it's better than just you know a mobile port. I can plug in my controller, and I've got this really really cool game for when I'm sitting on the bus or when I'm you know just commuting. I I think that at a low price gets a lot of your quote unquote casual gamers who really are just like I just want to play some here and there. I was telling myself, I, I think I could sell that to my friends and family. I could sell that to my uncles and, and cousins and nephews. Like, let's say it has, I don't even trying to think of what like came out last year that I played. I played so many, I mean, let's say it had, it's got Fortnite, right? It's got all the, the cool things that all the kids are playing. And then it's, you know, it's got a couple car games, got all the Ubisoft stuff. You know, let's say it didn't have to necessarily be a year old, but just things that are outdated and they're no longer, you know, they're no longer really being sold anymore. They're done. But if you had all of them in a service, right? Think about from this this entire gen going back, all of them in a service. If the price was right, there's still value there. There's still value of providing access to people to that at a cheap rate. You don't have to buy a console. You don't have to buy Xbox Live. You don't have to buy PlayStation Now. Like You don't have to be nickel and dime for all these different services. You just pay. You buy the controller. You pay whatever it is, 60 bucks a year. You've got access to thousands of games. And is it the latest and greatest games? Nope. But you only paid sixty dollars for the year, you know. So like, yeah. so there's still something there. That's a bundle that if you buy the the full year <clears> with the controller or something. Think about it. So I'm like, think about it, like it's all EA games, it's all Ubisoft games, right? It's all Warner Bros. games. So you've got Batman, you've got Madden, you've got FIFA, you've got Call of Duty, you've got Battlefield, you've got Battlefront, you've got Assassin's Creed, you've got Far Cry. You just throw them all in this one thing, and it's super cheap. But it's a year ago, a year ago and before. That's there's something there. Like I could sell my uncle on that for sure. I could sell my cousins on that. Like man, for 
for a more blue ocean approach it, yes. there's definitely definitely something there um but the way that google was talking about this I'm with you it sounds like they really want to be a heavy hitter they yep. want to be a sony they want to be an xbox they want to be a, a nintendo this would kind of guarantee that they would be in the second pillar kind of like where nintendo is you own an xbox you own a playstation or a PlayStation, and then you own a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I would say that this would put them somewhere kind of like in Apple's territory when it comes to gaming. Yeah, yeah this gonna, this would be something that you would just have on the back burner when you're sure. not playing the latest and greatest games, and now you can just play the older games wherever you want. Um, so it, this would be cool for casual. It definitely wouldn't be for people who want to play the latest and greatest right when it comes out. Right. Um but um, I really don't see it happening. I was, I'm just to be clear, I'm, I'm being my own devil's advocate. I'm just bringing yeah. up options. I also yeah. think, you know, like if we're thinking about the all you can eat streaming model or the all you can eat <laughs> Netflix model, they could have a storefront and then they could have their subscription model could be something more like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not, maybe games don't come to it after three months or six months. Maybe they come to it after a year. Every game after a year of being on the service be included in the subscription. Like there, I'm just pointing out that there's there's market value for that. Whether we want that or not, there's still people out there. I think that would like that. Yeah, I, all I right. Could, it would definitely have an audience. The last model that I've got is the model that I believe we're going to get personally. Uh, I believe it's all but been confirmed, at least in some form or fashion, by um, by Eves from Ubisoft. He mentioned the fact that he thinks there's going to be a lot of options. So I think we're going to get kind of uh, Frankenstein of all of these different options to us. But I think the one they're going to push is rentals. Pay for play. Pay per hour. Pay per day. Pay per weekend. Pay per month for access to game. So I don't know. So like PlayStation Now does this. You can, like, Donnie wants to play Hot Shots 2 on the PlayStation 4. I can either subscribe to PlayStation Now or I can go to Hot Shots 2 and I can pay them like $2.99 to play it for an hour. Or I can pay them $6.99 to play it for the weekend or $10.99 to play it for the week. So you can do that. This model makes a lot of Google sense to me because mm -hmm. it's YouTube. <laughs> I mean, it's the most democratic model for the publisher. Let's say they charge a dollar an hour, right? And let's say you get discount if you buy, you know, more than 10 hours or something like that. So it's a dollar an hour. So it's five bucks for five hours. I don't want to rent games like that. But Jared, you said something earlier about if you had access to a subscription model, you would just play things like you would just try things out. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of value here for that customer. There yeah. might be people that aren't sold on Stadia, but for a dollar an hour might try Stadia or they're watching a streamer and they want to play with them. And that play button is there and they don't they don't want a Stadia like they don't want to trade in their Xbox. But for a dollar an hour, they click that link. You know, like it's possible. Um, it's not my favorite because I definitely, I hate being nickeled and dimed. Um, I hate that feeling. That's the reason why I've never really bought onto PlayStation now. Um, so this wouldn't be my favorite, but I do think it has a lot of merit. It's easy way to cut the developer, you know, their share because it's, it's a merit-based model. If your game gets played more, you get paid more. That makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. it's fair to publishers. Everybody's going to make their game available there. Like that drives content. People want to be there. They want to compete. And, uh, I've said it, it gets people in and you could pay 
I don't know, for weekends, for weeks. I don't know if you, you, you pay for an hour to have access to all of Stadia or you pay for an hour to have access to a game on Stadia. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't know which way they would want to do that. But what do you think of the pay for pay as you go model? At this, it depends on how it's implemented. If if it is a and how much it costs, I think this this above everything else depends on how much it costs more than yeah, that. how much it costs, but also how it's implemented. Because if if they say okay, you can pay a dollar or two dollars, and you can play for an hour of Stadia, and that means you can jump into the library and play any game that's there, or it could be another model where you pay a dollar for an hour and you're playing this specific game. And I could see that model working better because let's say let's say you rent that game and you play for 10 hours and you spend 10 bucks and you decide, you know what, I want to buy that game. And now you've got $10 off of the final purchase price because they include that and they include the time that you rented it into the the final purchase if you decide to buy it. Sure. I could see that working and uh, I definitely think that this is one of the models that is the most likely, especially with YouTube and the play button, like you mentioned, there has to be a, the least amount of barrier possible Yep. between seeing an ad or watching a YouTuber, clicking that play button and being able to play. If you click that play button and they're just like, Oh, here's a free trial, but then it's going to be $50 a month after that. With this model, they could even go as far as handing out like free play tokens. Mm-hmm. Be like a constant promotion. You could earn them by watching YouTube. Like if you really want to go Google YouTube this way, you can really go down this rabbit hole. Think about it. Like every hour you watch YouTube, you earned a free hour Stadia token. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> or if you and- watch longer ads, you could earn. Yeah. Trial. Like there's things here that you could do. If if it went towards the final purchase of a game, I would be more okay with this, and uh, I would be okay with it just being able like here's five bucks and I get to try out a game like a game rental. Or think about and, this, like um, sorry, I keep interrupting. Is my head my head kind of spins with this? Type <laughs> of think about games with like really small like short campaigns. Single yeah. player games like Call of Duty's campaign. Instead of paying sixty dollars to play Call of Duty's campaign, you could probably beat it in fifteen bucks. Yeah, there, there are just there are definitely issues with this kind of thing, though. Because uh, let's take a, a game like um, uh, Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. You can beat that game in in what two to four hours, and let's say let's say that game. I don't even know how much it is right now. What it's when did it when it launched? What was it? Thirty bucks, something like that. I, I, I want to say it was twenty, but I don't know. Okay, okay let, let's say it was twenty dollars, and you can beat that game in in six hours. If you were to just rent it and beat it in six hours, that publisher loses out on a lot because you're not buying the full price. Sure, I think um, Google, I think Google. I think the. The inverse of this argument is true too. <clears throat> By making it available for six dollars, you'd have people pay six dollars for it that would never pay twenty for it. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's kind of that's the whole subscription kind of motive. That's you know WWE Network. Yeah, you can pay us ten ninety nine for WrestleMania because you're never going to pay us sixty, but more but then, will give us ten. 
And then you have the other side of the coin of a game like Destiny, where people put hundreds and hundreds of hours in. Yeah, they're not going to want to pay a dollar an hour for <laughs> for two hundred hours. But let me, one hundred percent true, Devin. I'm let you get in here, but that's one hundred percent true. But I just want to say this: there is something to this model going forward, future proofing. Right? We keep talking about how games are more and more expensive. They're getting harder and harder to sell for sixty dollars. There's something to possibly be said about a game that's 200 hours and, you know, cost mm -hmm. more than $60, like you having access to it whenever you want, you know, for this kind of, this is a very democratic approach. Like, it's very fair. Like, you can not like it all you want, but I feel like the only reason nobody would not like it is because they don't feel, like, they feel like it's, like, they're they're not gaining access to as much game as they had before because this is yeah. very fair. This is probably the most fair business model a video game consumer could have with a publisher is I'm going to pay you for the amount of money that I play your game and nothing yeah. more, nothing else. That makes a lot of sense. But Dev, yeah, you keep playing this game that never ends. So, uh, so <laughs> just off top, like this type of stuff, I look at him just like, Oh God, there's no way this, this for me, is like the absolute worst possible scenario, mainly because of a just a time factor. Yes, I play a game that does not end, and I play a lot of it. So for me, I, I there's no way I'd be able to fund my my, my addiction. Um, and then I think about but if you, you know, made Destiny, you would make a lot of money off. Absolutely, yeah. From a from a developer publisher standpoint, this makes this is this is great. This is like a cash cow. Yeah. We don't need microtractions or, or DLC because they're exactly. just going to keep paying us for you know every other place. It's like it's like we are now the internet cafe. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 great for them. And then I also think about people who marathon a game in a weekend mm -hmm. and play it for ten hours and boom, I'm done. There's a lot to be said about like this is blockbuster video. You go, you rent the game, and then you beat it, and you're done. You've only spent five six bucks for it. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in that because you can get the, the the marathon gamer who just wants to play the game, beat the campaign in a weekend, and be done with it. So I have, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who do that, who will just they'll get the game and they're done with it in a day. And I'm like, how did you already beat that? And <laughs> it was the same me with Far Cry. Oh, my God. You just flew through it. I was like, what? There how? are a lot of games that I wouldn't buy, that I will not purchase. Really? I know. I'm not interested or I don't have a history with it. But if I could play it day one at this type of right to tr to try it out, I might. Like I wouldn't buy Mortal Kombat or The Division. Like I I didn't like The Division. I wouldn't play The Division two. But the day it came out, while everybody was playing it, I may have rented it for the night. Like I think there was something for like a rental, you know, type access, like an instant access. If especially if mm -hmm. there was like crossplay, if I could play with other people. You know, like if I could have hopped in and played, you know, the division with you guys the night of, like maybe I would have done that instead of buying Anthem. You know, this feeds your FOMO something ridiculous. <laughs> kind of, yeah, because I like trying games. It's one of my favorite things about Game Pass. Mm -hmm. I love just like scrolling through the library, seeing something, and checking it out. Like I wonder what this is. Absolutely, I, I started. I started playing Farming Simulator because <laughs> it was in Game Pass. <laughs> See. <laughs> Exactly. It, now you're monetizing that. And it's actually pretty fun. But I, I think I think the best case scenario for this kind of payment model would be that the rental goes into the final purchase price. 
because of somebody like like Dev who plays Destiny, you can play it for sixty dollars or for sixty hours, a dollar an hour, and once you hit that sixty dollar mark, you've now you now own the game, you and you no longer you no longer have to pay. It's like a layaway for games, but you have access to it. I, I kind of like it. I like it, Jerry. That's pretty sweet. Or yeah. or maybe or maybe there's some sort of premium to it. Like if if you're not just gonna buy the game outright you know, it's a dollar fifty an hour. And once you reach a certain point, you know, you've ultimately paid $75 for that game, but now you own it versus if you just bought it outright, you only had to pay 60. Something I would have like that. I would have done a lot better with Anthem under this type of model because I played Anthem for like 20 hours. I could have rented it and paid $20 and played it and left versus having paid $60 you know, Redbox does this exact thing, right? Yeah, but it's not available in my house. I have to get up and go, and then I got to get up and go return it back. Like, yeah, and you got a Redbox for me is like five miles, man. It's like and, not, it's not across the street, around the corner. I've got like seven Redboxes, okay, in less salary. <laughs> but again, Redbox <laughs> is a disc that you have yep. to put into a box, and then you got to install it and just got to wait. Uh, I understand all that. I'm just saying that this <laughs> model does exist. And I it bought does Shadow work. of War today, and I brought it home around noon, and I installed it, and then I downloaded the 4K patch and the the 4K texture pack and the HD texture pack. It never finished. Like by like five o'clock, it still wasn't. I went and played. I went and started a PlayStation. Like it was still downloading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with with Redbox, you'd go and get a game, and you'd have to install all these patches. And by the time your day is o- your one day rental is over, you got to return still it. Gotta, still got to pay for online. Still, still downloading. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I was just saying that, that this model does exist, and there are people yeah. who will game for get, take it back, and now you've bought it. So and it it works, and I think it would definitely there would definitely be some benefit, especially with the YouTube integration. Yeah, because people aren't going to want to spend sixty dollars to play with their favorite YouTuber, but right. they might pay a dollar or two to spend an hour during a live stream or something like that. And I think mm-hmm. if you could keep doing that, like that's the <clears> tail <throat> that games currently really don't have. If you could kind of monetize that going forward, I think that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. All right, so I wanted to say what would we prefer and want, and I think. I think what we're going to get, and I think I want to go on a limb and say, I think what we'd all prefer is some sort of mix, mm-hmm. kind of all of the above. Yeah. I would love to have a rental option to try it because I think that's good for onboarding customers and people that don't believe. Right? Like, that's a big thing I talked about in our first episode. Getting gamers to accept and adopt this new future is going to be difficult. So, how do you start to whittle away at that? You make it easy. You make it cheap and you make it fast. Mm-hmm. But then I also love the idea of a pass. And I don't know, you know, whether it's Game Pass or a subscription. I prefer a subscription. I would love to just subscribe and have access to, you know, some standard of games, whether it's games that are a year old or six months. I don't know. But I would love to have the idea of a subscription. And then I would also love the idea of having a traditional storefront. Gamers like options. Do whatever mm-hmm. you want. If you're the type of person that just wants to play, this one game because you know you're on a business trip and you didn't bring your console with you like you've got that option for five bucks you can play tonight or if you're all in on google stadium you've got four controllers and 18 chromecasts around your house man pay them the subscription go crazy and if you're the traditionalist you just want to play the game you want to own it you don't want to be nickel and dime you don't constant thing traditional storefront i think that makes sense and i think that's what we'll see i think we'll see the option to buy um Assassin's Creed isn't coming out this year, right? 
But no. I, no. Bones is right. That pirate game. The who? Supposedly, yeah. The oh, pirate yeah. ship game from Ubisoft, Skull and Bones. So that game is there day one for sixty dollars, or you can play it, you know, for five hours for five bucks, or you can, you know, wait three months and get it on the Google subscription. That's kind of what Donnie wants to see. What what do you want to see, Jared? Yeah, I would I would definitely like to see a mix. I think that would be the best for me as well as the best for Stadia in general. Um, that way it doesn't matter what kind of gamer you are, you'll be able to find something that works for you. If you can dedicate 100, 200 hours a month on gaming and you like to play everything, a subscription model would be the most cost effective. If you can only spend a certain amount, um, being able to just rent a bunch of different games would probably be cheaper if yeah. if if you can't um, justify the full subscription costs and you don't want to spend that much on games per month. But then if you're the type of person who puts in hundreds and hundreds of hours into one game, being able to just buy that one game and not have to worry about a subscription price if you don't want it would be a great option as well. So I think options is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, I want to be able to buy the game that I want, but also have some kind of subscription-based model. And I think the rental thing definitely would help out, you know, the non-believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wonder if you have too many options. Does it really just turn everybody away? But I feel like the, the more options you have, the more just people you can you can hit because there's going to be something there for everybody. So, yeah. What if the a la carte option subscription was based on time played and not just as much as you want? Like if you only p- played 20 hours you get 20 a month. hours a month for only, whatever it costs they, a year. They charge you like 10 bucks a month or something yeah, like whatever that. Whatever it costs. But you play whatever you want, but y- you hit this timer and once you go over this timer, you're going to pay more. No, nah, man. Stop I would hit. <laughs> I would <laughs> Data caps and throttling and stuff. Nah, I'm get out of here. <laughs> yeah, so that all of this kind of goes on top of what you're already paying for Stadia without even paying Google yet. You still have to pay for the internet. You've got to pay for your own coverage, your own provider, your own data caps, whatever you have. You've still got to pay that too. So, like, yeah. think of this. Like, their pricing has to consider that. They can't just price this like a traditional game console. And I don't think they will. I think that's where no. kind of that rental thing really comes into play. One of the things, so like I've always hated the rentals of PlayStation now, but the, I think the biggest reason with that is one, the library isn't like every game, you know, like mm-hmm. if the brand newest game was out there, I would dive into it more often and it's locked to a console. It's like your console, or your PC, you know, being able to play it on your phone or play it on a tablet or play it on this device or that device or in this room or in that room. That makes a lot more sense. And the convenience, like the rental feels a little bit more valuable. You know, it's like, well, if I'm going to sit yeah. and turn on my PlayStation and go through all, man, I might as well go to the red box. You know, like <laughs> versus if it's, you know, Google Stadia, it feels like five hours of Google Stadia might feel a little more rewarding. Um, versus- I think, I think about, cause Google has that, um, the cell service, Google Fi, and they, mm-hmm. There it's like it's like twenty dollars a month for unlimited calls and texts, and then ten dollars a month per gigabyte. And there's no overage charges. It's just like let's say you pay forty dollars a month for two gigabytes plus calls and texts. If you go over, 
then you just owe another $10 and now you've got another gigabyte to use. Oh, actually, I don't, I think they just, they start charging you. Like if you only use an extra hundred megabytes, they'd charge you a dollar instead of the full $10 for the gigabyte. So they could do something like that. You're like, oh, I pay $10 a month and I can play 20 hours. But if I go above then that, then they start charging more. Cost. But I feel like that's that would turn off a lot of consumers. I feel like it'd be too messy. It's too much too much math. People don't want yeah. either and then people are gonna be worried about like, oh, how much time have I played? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got to make sure you show <laughs> my channel. Yeah. The fun but, part about streaming is binge watching your favorite show. Like that's yeah. the fun part. So you want to be able to play whatever you want as long as you want to play it. Um yeah. You know, the other thing that I didn't bring up before we move forward um, on the traditional model, if you buy a game, you have access to it forever. Well, that's an ongoing cost that Google has if you keep playing it. You know, mm -hmm. so like if I pay 40 bucks for Assassin's Creed 7 and I play it four years from now, like they're not making any, nobody else is making any money off of that after I've bought it like down the line. Unless, unless it's possible that like, Google gives Ubisoft a certain amount of money for a game purchased on the service and a certain amount of money for how much that game is played, you know, after a specific period of time or something like that. Like there's, that could be something that they could give to developers to make it worth getting their content over there. I keep bringing up getting this content over to the service because we have a, an interesting news article that came up recently about Google Stadia that I think is important. Um, and then on the rental service, I also wanted to bring it up just like I did last uh, episode ads, man. Right? Ugh. You can buy the game, you can buy the pass to not have ads, or you can rent the game and you will have an ad. And that makes sense because it's cheap for us to get in. And it it's like I said, it's democratic, but also it's another way of making money for Google to make money for publishers. Like I know we hate it, but it makes sense. Like there, there's something there if you're gonna go the rental route. Yeah. I ads and they could they could subsidize the rentals maybe it's not a dollar two dollars an hour maybe it's like a quarter maybe yeah. it's like an arcade machine but you got to watch an ad yeah it, it depends on how it's implemented as long as it's not like popping up you know mid-game <laughs> yeah just like if it was like if it was like during a loading screen or even if it was like Oh, you can play this game, but you have to watch a 30 second ad before you play it. I think that would be what it would be before you. I, can. I mean, that wouldn't be too terrible just because it takes me more than 30 seconds to boot up my Xbox or PlayStation and then start playing a game and waiting for it to load with Google's with Stadia's five second promised, you know, starting a game and being able to play within five seconds. I if mean, you pay for the I would ad model. Yeah, I would sit. I would sit through a twenty-second ad and be able to play. Yeah, you get that, and you get people like I'm not sitting through these ads, so give me the premium. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sitting through any ads. <laughs> that part of it does make sense, right? If you have the ad model, then that makes money for publishers. Um, yeah. that, that's pretty good. All right. Um, it's it's before we move on from the. Does anybody have anything else about cost? What you want to see? No, just damn yep. you and your business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's worth mentioning Phil Harrison did an interview with GameSpot where they basically confirmed that the pricing model has been agreed upon. Like it's finalized. So we're all speculating the rest of the world and internet speculating. They're not, they're done. They've talked about how they've had um, like these marketing research firms. They've been doing all these con consumer surveys for years and working with publishers, working with developers. Uh, like I said, I already told you what Eve said, you know, as he <laughs> keeps referring to it as we, 
the team. We're going to bring you a lot of options. I expect we'll see an option for. I think you're going to be able to buy games, rent games, subscribe to games. I think we're going to see a, a bunch of different stuff. So, and that'll be important. The messaging will be important about that to see how they're going to roll. I, out. That the last sentence that I put there is interesting. It says, Phil says we have our point of view which we then test against various hypotheses with consumers and with publishing partners. And then we get to the right result. So Google will be coming at it like subscription because we do subscription models, we yep. do ads and then the, the consumers and the research and the publishing partners and the developers are like, well, yeah, but this works right now for gaming. And so they come well, to some sort of day one. Yeah. They come to some sort of compromise. So I, I think we'll be surprised by what we see. I love your rental paying towards something. I love that approach. I, I really, I would like that. I, I would be really behind that. That makes a lot more sense because then your, your rental doesn't feel like it's just going away. You know, mm -hmm. like it, you're building towards something and it, it kind of makes, you know, it's kind of like a chicken in every pot, you know, it kind of makes gaming available to folks. Maybe they don't have 60. Like I, I'm, I was, when you were saying that I was thinking of like 12 year old me who had zero money and wanted to play all the games, man, I would have eaten something like that alive. I would have, dollar 99 my way into all kinds of stuff um just just because i didn't have 60 but i could have gotten you know five bucks a weekend or something i could have got something to get going the amount of games i have rented for blockbuster oh man right <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> okay well and just one final point because sure. game pass they give you a discount like if yeah. you subscribe to disc uh, to game pass and you play a game you decide you want to purchase to own it mm -hmm. you get a discount just for having game pass so it, yeah. it kind of plays into that same kind of thing i bought i pre-ordered jedi the, or the fallen jedi the yeah. good choice yep so i pre-ordered that i saved seven dollars <laughs> just for being a subscriber to e-access that's almost a third of what i pay for e-access period Mm -hmm. but two or three games EA access has paid for itself you know so like there there is kind of a you know and as we're seeing with GameStop's financials like trade-ins are kind of going away like we're seeing the you know the savings the customer plans going away like Google could do some sort of digital savings plan that could be economically feasible that makes people you know makes deal hunters yeah. like me really give them serious credit you save me yeah. $10 a game the amount of games I play that's a lot of money for me yeah, that's another four or five games a year. Like that's I'm, I'm that's how I look at it. It's not money saved. It's money I could spend on more games. So I'm yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, because Best Buy pretty much has a lock on what I purchase because I still have the Gamers Club Unlimited. So until that runs out, I'm yeah. not purchasing games anywhere else. Really, same boat. <sighs> I wish I would have re-upped that, but then again, no, I don't. <laughs> want the box i just want the digital stuff so you know and the other thing that i um i wanted to mention this is so i'm i'm in the exact same boat with you guys this would be my final point on the pricing model except that i game share with kevin yeah. and we kind of share the cost of games if google can do something like that too if the stadia can have some sort of family sharing plan some sort of partnering plan where you can share a library with two or three of your friends yeah that would be even better, man. I would be so. Well, they they have that right now with Google Play Music I know. and the the Google the Google Play App Store. That that you can really have a true. you can have a family plan in any app that you buy or any music that you buy. The people in your family plan can have access to it. Because I buy everything at Best Buy except things I'm buying on Xbox that I think Kevin might also want to play. Like that that little thing is another reason to go digital. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're launching a streaming, you need anything, all the little hooks that you can get somebody to consider it. 
you should be doing. Um, yeah, you're just going to be you're going to they're going to meet instant resistance. So anything that they can do to kind of appeal, I think, to the consumer is great. All right. In the news, there hasn't been a whole lot of news since the unveiling. Since GDC, there hasn't been a whole lot of news. They said that they were talk about later this summer. Uh, I'm still hoping E3. Dev, are they going to be at E3? I think so. Absolutely. They're going to be at Ubisoft stage. Oh, yeah. For sure. I don't know if they're going to do their own thing. Guaranteed they're going to show up at Ubisoft stage. I think they do both. Yeah, I kind of do too. Um, But there was an interesting piece of news. And this is why I keep bringing up content providers and publishers and what's in it for them. I'm quoting Mike Nichols, who's Xbox chief marketing officer. He said, and I quote, emerging competitors like Google have a cloud infrastructure community with YouTube, but they don't have the content. Don't have the content to succeed. Nichols added that Google is likely to struggle because it does not have the long running relationships established with leading game developers and publishers. Jared, what do you think about this? I think it's definitely a factor and it's definitely true. Um, they're a new at one point Xbox was new as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, it's not to say that they can't be successful, but they're definitely going to have to do a lot of legwork to get developers on board and to get that, to get the software for people to want to use the service. Um, they've confirmed that they have one studio, but who knows how long before we see any sort of exclusive game, unless they start getting exclusives from third parties. And depending on how aggressive Google can be with the developers and giving them money, it's possible that they could get it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Xbox definitely is, or Mike Mike Nichols definitely has a point. It's definitely something to be worried about as a early adopter of this and as, as hoping that Google will establish themselves. They, they will struggle because gaming developers are very very fickle yeah <laughs> they're just they're some of the most fickle people like in the entertainment industry as a whole i mean it, it's kind of ridiculous how developers developers will jump around just from generation to generation um so they have a lot of legwork to do i 100 agree what do you think dev yeah i same i mean content like we we've spoken about it several times like as long as the content's there, but there's yeah. no guarantee that it's there. And they only have the one studio, like you said. So we have no idea how long that studio's been up and running. Are they gonna have a game by launch? No. So no. I and yeah, you know what? We thought Borderlands, you know, wasn't being in development. It's been developing for five years, Borderlands three. So there's there's no telling. They may have had something to piggyback on that point. On. That studio, yes, they announced it, and that's the thing, but that's not their only relationship that they've been building. I sort mm-hmm. of on the last one at you know Polygon Kotaku, they've been talking about Google. They've been at E3, they've been at Gamescom, they've been at G for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. While they they've may been not started own, while they may not have started a fleet of studios, I am not going to be surprised at all. I mean, I would almost expect you're gonna see a handful of exclusives. They've bought some stuff for sure. They've employed mm-hmm. multiple people. Like there are multiple people in the games industry. Jade Raymond's not the only person that's went to go work at Google. They've employed multiple people from multiple studios. Um, but I expect that they will go out and find, you know, five or six indie games that they believe in. Maybe a second 
you know, party publisher, uh, an exclusive, maybe they can get an exclusive from Ubisoft, you know, something like a Starlink or something. Maybe they can get something like that from them that they can really get behind. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did a, you know, some sort of keynote or unveiling where they have five or six exclusive games you can only play on Stadia in addition to their business model. And Absolutely. I, I feel like if besides exclusives, if we're just talking about just straight third party, if they get all of the third party and it works well and you can play it wherever you want, I will probably play third party exclusively on Google Stadia. You I'll have my boxes for the exclusives, but if I can at work on my break <laughs> be playing the new Assassin's Creed on my phone <laughs> with my Stadia controller, I would much rather play it there than any box that's stuck at home. Yeah, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. I mean, if they have all the third parties, why would I need to go anywhere else, especially if it works? Yeah. I will I'll have my box for the exclusives and then everything else is third party. I'm gonna play in the best possible quality that I can through Stadia. It just it makes sense. So it's like while they don't have like the exclusive content, exclusive content drives the sale of the box, but you're gonna be playing more third party games than anything else. Sure. So mm-hmm. As long as they have the relationships, yeah, well, they may not be long-running relationships, Google definitely has relationships with a lot of these third-party developers. they got to yeah. make it profitable. I mean, mm-hmm. I've said that for a long time. It really doesn't matter how long they've known anybody. If if there's money to be made, I mean, that's what third parties do. They'll yeah. put their, I mean, we see it with, like I said, the Epic Store and all the other launchers and everything that's on PC. They're going to put their game wherever somebody wants to buy it. So it. if Stadia can make something that people want to pay for games, games will be there. Yeah, if if it's profitable, if it works, you don't need I mean and then if it's easy to develop for mm-hmm. and support your game over to it, there's there's really no you don't really need a long running relationship. It's just like, hey, it's easy to port your game that's already on PC over here. It's going to make you money. It's going to come. Like <laughs> it's just going to be on Stadia. So yep. Google IO is in May. May 7th to the 9th. That's Google's big developer conference where they come and show off all the cool things that Google's launching on here. Hear about, was it Android Q? I believe is what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. New operating system for Pixel and all that. Um, Google Stadia's on the agenda multiple times. They've got all kinds of tech dives and deep dives. I am hoping to hear from that conference if people that, uh, if developers can self-publish on Stadia. That's like the one question that I would really like to have answered. I would love to know if somebody from EA can drag the file onto a Stadia server and make it live, they can build the page out. Or if it's something that has to be submitted and queued through, or if it's something that you can just publish to. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the way they talked about it at the reveal, they're definitely considering it a platform. Yep. And platforms traditionally have some sort of quality assurance that they'd need to go through. And I think that's important, too. I think Google would want to filter through some of the stuff coming in. They wouldn't want just anybody just posting something onto their server. Sure, not just anybody, but maybe like once you reach a certain threshold or maybe when you submit certain things in certain categories, like maybe everything mature rated has to be reviewed, but everything not mature rated, you know, you can freely publish. I would just, I would like to hear from a developer who's published a Stadia game. Like, cause we, we talked about it in the discord this week, psvg.blog slash discord and the Google Stadia channel about so all these stacks that they're running are linux based you have to run a linux version of the game Mm. but 
there's an API that converts your standard PC ROM to the Linux version of the game. And we don't know if that's going to cause any issues. Like we don't know performance wise, but from everything that I could read uh, that I could read and by, I'm by no means a tech expert, it seemed to be pretty painless. It seemed to be a pretty kind of standard conversion. So you would imagine anything that's currently on Steam or Epic or PC or the Windows Store should be pretty much, I know we make fun of it all the time, should kind of be right-click, save as Google Stadia. Like, kind of. Like, <laughs> more so than any other game that's ever been possibly right-click, save as ported, this should be it. And I think that's important. And yeah. I the, the next big thing is I want to know, like, how many hoops does somebody have to jump through to make that happen? I would just like to know. Is it, like, a long ordeal? Do you have to plan for months? Is there a backlog? Is there a bottleneck? Or is it actually pretty fast? And you can just kind of do it yourself, and you can do up your own pages and stuff, like, once you're a, I don't know, a trusted publisher or something like that. I think that's it's important. Um, I, I'd like to hear. Um, so, and maybe maybe some other details. I'm not going into Google I.O. expecting a lot of details and service. I think we'll see hands-on impressions from the floor. I think all the video game companies will be there, IGN and all that. They'll be there. They'll be talking about it. They'll play it. Um, but the, from the business side, I don't know if we'll see anything there. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder because it, 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 it literally is just a bunch of PCs sitting in a server room. Yeah. And because it supports Unreal Engine 4 and a bunch of other things that they talked about, I think it was Unity. And um, so if your game is already on PC, getting it over to Stadia will be pretty easy. But I wonder things like Red Dead Redemption 2 that's not currently on PC, that's yeah. supposedly coming. You know, a lot of these developers that only develop for console will they treat Stadia like a console or will they treat it more like PC? And if these developers decide to make a version for the Stadia platform, since they're basically developing for a PC, will that now increase the games that are on PC? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of variables because if a developer only does it for consoles, Stadia is a PC, so... Well, and consoles are running PC architecture. So while you could support Google Stadia, you didn't necessarily need to support PC. You would just need a you know a PC build. Yeah. So on top, how do you optimize for Stadia? That's another thing. Yeah, that's probably the more important part. That's the question. That's my question. Like, how do you optimize for Stadia? What's, the, what's that process look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Assassin's Creed Odyssey, even under best streaming conditions, is still like a choppy version of the game. Digital Foundry, and I think when they were talking about that, like the frames aren't as good, like the textures aren't as good, like it's a the Linux version of the game. Now it's just beta, right? It's not released, so don't mm. fret. But like in the beta that's been tested and has been recorded, it's uh, an it's an inferior version of the game. Yeah, there's definitely optimizations that would have to take place specifically for Stadia. Uh, but one advantage you have is that no matter where you are, if you're accessing Stadia, you're accessing all the same hardware. Yep. It it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're streaming it to. You're all everybody is accessing the same box, and that's definitely a huge advantage. You don't have to worry about all these people owning an Xbox original and an Xbox One S and an Xbox One X and a PS4 and a PS4 Pro. It's just Stadia is Stadia. I also wonder. I'll, I'll, let's leave. Let's leave this thought in the podcast here. You don't even have to fully go down this rabbit hole. But with Xbox doing their thing. Right, Stadia doing their thing. Presumably, PlayStation now will do some sort of change in the business model, and I guess they'll try to push it. Maybe if they want to compete, maybe they don't want to. Um, 
Any thought if there'll be like partnerships, like where exclusive streaming rights will be sold? You start treating content like we see Disney and Netflix and all these. Like, do you think somebody could say, look, we're going to sell our games on all consoles, but you can exclusively stream Ubisoft games only on Stadia or something like that? It's possible. <laughs> I don't. It's like some sort of long term partnerships being made, you know, with certain brands. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can buy it on Xbox or PlayStation, but you can play it anywhere on our product because like we have in exclusive st- streaming rights. Yeah, in the streaming world, I mean, streaming rights is everything, right? Especially like, in, I'm not even thinking like Netflix. I'm thinking like sports, right? Like, mm-hmm. like streaming content rights and sports is huge. Talking billions of dollars, man. NFL and Big Ten and SEC and all that. Like, in you know, like the Masters this weekend, for example, was streamed only on CBS. So like if you wanted to stream it on your TV, you had to pay for the CBS app or you had to stream it on your computer. Like you had to go to their website, you know? So like even doing something like that, like there's money there. I don't know. Like that's the, I guess my big, the, the, the big question mark for me with all of this and money is we don't really don't know how much, we don't know how many chips Google's pushing to the table, right? Are they just providing a delivery platform or are they really, really coming to bat like do they want to be taken seriously because if they really want to do some stuff they could really lock it down they have the means to do so yeah all all i know and i'll just i'll just leave it with this final thought is that google if they want to be successful if they want to win the hearts of through and through gamers they need to be aggressive with their pricing because people are already apprehensive because Mm -hmm. they don't want to stream their content. They don't want to go all digital. They want to own their products. So Google needs to be aggressive with Stadia to get people at least interested to try it out. Anything, Dev? I mean, uh, Jared said it all. I mean, honestly, they they have the means to be aggressive. There's no reason why they, they shouldn't. And from everything that we can see, it seems like they really want to be a major player in, in the game space. So if that is truly your objective, then come hard. Like balls to the wall. Let's go. Let's be aggressive and let's let's take a piece of this pie. Yep. Yep. I've brought it up since the beginning. That's what Xbox had to do. And even then, like their foothold is still, you know, not cemented. So it's a big, it's a big task to carve out a piece of this pie. You've got to come with something, something that the others don't offer. Typically, that's savings, <laughs> savings and and future, you know, like some sort of new thing, you know, Xbox Live, some sort of online, something like that. So that's going to do it for episode two of the Google Stadia show. We thank you for all of you that listened to episode one, and we hope you stick with us. Like I said, um, Google I/O. May 7th through the 9th, so we'll be back shortly after that. Hopefully we get a lot of news, hands-on impressions. We can talk about all of that, Google Stadia, and more as we turn our attentions towards E3 in June, where I'm telling you, we're going to see Stadia on stage. (laughs) At least at Ubisoft. They're going to be there. I don't care how much they want to keep acting like they're not. They're going to be there. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.